Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, we had a ball game last Thursday. So we've got lots to talk about. You watched the film, right? Yes, yes, I have watched all of the film to its completion. It is done. So we will get the full analysis. And where else do we start, T. Frank, than with the quarterback position? I'm jumping right into it. You had Sean Clifford. I mean, four touchdown passes, threw for over 280 yards. He had the game-winning drive. He was named co-offensive player of the week in the Big Ten. I know he threw that terrible interception. I know. Uh But other than that, T. Frank, you certainly can't have anything to complain about, do you? So I'm taking it by your tone. You you know where I stand on this. Um, It. I'm just throwing out facts there for you, T. Frank. Everything I said yeah. was a fact, okay? Yeah, because so, because no one has ever gone, how the hell did that happen when they looked at the offensive player or defensive player of the week for the Big Ten? Yeah, we've never had any problems with any of those awards ever because they're absolutely done scientifically and not by a bunch of really hurried journalists that are overworked and haven't watched all the games. We certainly don't have any problems with the Big Ten. And and Sean Clifford had a, had a uh, headline performance. His late game heroics, as I put it in the post game show that I did for Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, saved his job. Because during the game, if you want to go to the source of an uneven uh, performance by the Nittany Lions, where they didn't score, they didn't score for 15 minutes of game time, and then 20 minutes of game time. Part of that problem is not just the offensive line; the quarterback's operation in that environment. It has been erratic, and it was erratic uh, from a pocket presence standpoint, specifically. Sean Clifford's pocket presence on uh, Thursday was not good. And I understand that when you're watching the game, you look at the you look at the result of the play, and Sean Clifford scrambles, so therefore there was pressure. That's not always the case. Sometimes there's imagined pressure, and both quarterbacks did that. On Thursday, Aiden O'Connell was way worse than I was expecting. Uh, but Sean Clifford was right in the wheelhouse of what Sean Clifford does, which is when he feels pressure, his mechanics break down, his footwork is poor, and some balls that should be on target are not on target. Um, I, I don't even know what to do with the interception he threw because that was from a clean pocket. That was a beautifully clean pocket. He steps into the throw and throws it uh, a foot and a half over the head of the receiver. Um, but Sean Clifford played a winning game of football. So as much as I am saying that he was not good, Penn State scored 35 points. They got over the 30-point threshold. I just feel, having watched the film and seeing receivers that were open, decisions that were not made, and throws that were made to look like he was under pressure when I don't feel the pressure was imminent, that's what leads me to say this. And and I think it was a little bit harder than it needed to be in a couple of aspects from that position. 
and not to mention he had a few drops from his receivers that didn't help. We'll get right. to that in, in a moment, T. Frank. But back to the quarterback situation, I'd be remiss if I didn't also bring up Drew Aller. He played just one series, yeah. and I know a lot of people are ready to move on <laughs> from Sean Clifford, and they'll use the, you know, the one drive by uh, Drew Aller as the reasoning, and I keep saying this, but poor Tyler Warren. It's like <laughs> there were about five, six drops, but the only one that gets highlighted is Tyler Warren because it came from Drew Aller. And it was a what dime. Did... That was a beautiful throw. That was as good as it looked. Spectacular throw. How much can you conclude from his performance in that one series? Uh, not a whole lot other than <laughs> so I, I did a stock up stock down segment uh, after the game for the offense and defense and Drew Aller had his stock go up because he didn't flail in that situation. He didn't come on the field and he didn't pee down his leg. So that is a huge step forward for a true freshman in his very first game in the very first week of the season on the road in a hostile environment. That's a really good that's a really good step. And beyond that, he did have that very good throw. He broke po- the pocket. He had good pocket presence to escape out the right side, find a, a receiver on the run, throw the ball into that window and get a first down that way. But that's it. Like those are we kind of like Christian Veyer last year, we have a very small sample size and we don't know what we don't know yet, but it's encouraging to see the arm talent matters. That's a huge step to me. If you are not throwing the ball on target, and I know that third down pass, he looked a little indecisive on that one. I think he was looking for a different route and then in the middle of his throwing motion decided to throw it somewhere else. But, you know, I, I have no clue on that. That's just me watching and kind of reading his body language. When a quarterback pats their feet a little bit before they throw to me, I take that as indecision, and then when you see the ball go a foot and a half behind his supposedly intended target, that that's what that says to me. So two really good throws, one I think that was not good, and then another one that was a screen pass. But when he threw the ball with confidence and knew where he was going with it, the ball zipped out of his hands and was exactly where he wanted it to be, including one that he layered over a defender in front of another on the sideline 15 to 17 yards down the field. That's all great stuff. What else don't we know? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on board with everybody that wants to see more. At this point, uh, he can handle it. I, I think I'm fine with him playing as much as they want him to play at this point. Find out how good he is. And I know a lot of folks who are excited about that prospect. The other part of the decision-making that I question, and again, we're nitpicking because he was only in there for a handful of plays, is on that play where he, he could, could he have run for a first down? And that's just part of that decision-making, which is tough for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback who's in there for his arm to decide yeah. to break it down and, and run. So I suspect by James Franklin's tone, Unlike other years with Franklin, where he would play his starter no matter the score, I, I think we're going to see more of Drew Aller against Ohio this week. Let's go. For, go ahead. Did you see was, the hat? Uh, he, after the that. game, he said, 
because uh, somebody asked him about the number of players they played. And he said, I am determined to build depth this year. If you think we played a lot this week, wait until next week. So, yeah, you don't have a travel squad. You can play as many players as you want. I, I'm on board. Fans have been saying play Drew Aller at any point in the game. Don't just wait until there's garbage time. I'm on for Ohio. I'm on board. Throw him in the second quarter. Get him some live reps with the first team offensive line. Let's get a good evaluation of what he can and can't do. Let's go from one freshman, Drew Aller, to the other big time freshmen's at running back, which was Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. Each one of them, it looked like their first run was very promising. And yeah. as fans, and I was leading the way, all right, here's the guy. End result. Looked a lot like what we saw last year, though. T. Yeah. Frank, what did you what did you glean from the two freshman running backs? So, do you want to just wrap this all into one big nugget about the offensive line because they're obviously connected with that and the running backs? But I'll start with just the running backs. I'll just start with the running backs, then we can talk about the offensive line when you want to. Uh, I thought they had enough opportunities to make some plays, uh, but there was still a, a lack of broken tackles. Nick Singleton, for as explosive as he was broke zero tackles in the game. So his first run of the game, you mentioned that first one, nine-yard carry. He gets to the safety, and James Franklin talked about this last year. He's talked about this in the past. Saquon Barkley talked about this when we asked him, you know, questions about his job and what, what you know, what's your role on the team, and they, they've preached this forever. I got to make my man miss. The running back is responsible for one player on the play if everything goes right. That's the safety or linebacker or key defender that he has to he has to beat. And Penn State did not beat those players to generate those explosive plays, both Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, by the way. Now, uh, Allen was better overall. I thought he did a better job with some of his vision. And that was, to be, that was what we expected coming into this game. He is used to running in these situations. But Singleton, I thought, um, could be better. Now, the good news is he'll get better, but for a week one performance, there are some plays that I thought he had a great opportunity to rip off a big run, and he didn't quite get there, and that's okay. Now, when, that, when we get into the offensive line, they were not dominant, right? So they were not a, what everyone wanted to see out of the gate, this is the year, all that stuff. That didn't happen. But there's a difference, and there's a, there's a level of understanding here that I want us to come to. In certain situations, you're not going to throw a guy out of the club. You're going to execute your block. And you're going to give the running back or the quarterback or whoever has the ball the opportunity to make a play. I thought on the, on the whole, if you look at the offensive line outside of a couple guys that we know struggled, I thought they were right in the pocket of doing their job for the most part. Giving acceptable running lanes. They were not perfect running lanes. But they were, if that were Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley would have ripped off a bunch of runs, right? And that was the level of what we were expecting from Nick Singleton out of the gate in week one, which was unfair. But I think if this offensive line continues to perform at the level they did against every opponent where they're getting their job done, but they're not exceeding expectations, and a guy like Sal Wormley, who was good, if that continues to happen and Singleton gets better and he starts really showing what he can do, I think the running game is going to improve. I saw enough to say this is not a tire fire. It's not elite, and I don't think anyone's expecting it to be elite out of the gate. I, I hope not. But for the most part, I thought this group was okay. They were not bad. 
And that's the narrative coming out. Same old Penn State offensive line, same old garbage, same old problems. It was fundamentally different. They were not losing blocks because they were not athletic enough to get there, at least for the most part. I thought it was interesting. Devin Ford on the fourth down play was brought in. And in our head, we always said, oh, could he be a third or fourth down back and come out of the backfield, make catches? He did that one time. Is there a role for him in this offense? I think so. Yeah, I I think there's a role for him in the offense. I don't think we've seen it fully fleshed out yet uh, because they, you know, it's week one. We'll see more of how that evolves as the game goes on. But really, the primary, primary objective has to be to get those young guys up to speed and breaking plays and making big plays. And also one last note on Ford. You can't pigeonhole him that this is all he does. So every time he comes in, it's like holding up a big flash card. We're going to throw the ball to the running back. That is it for quarter number one. T. Frank, you mentioned the offensive line. Quarter number two, that's what we're going to talk about. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with GoPSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with GoPSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carp. And T. Frank, our good friends at New Trail Brewery, they've brought out their whiteout beer. That's right, whiteout beer. You could call it a loud double IPA. You see what they did there with the, with the lad? Hey. 
you can now enjoy whiteout conditions this week with 107,000 of your closest friends. That's right, whiteout will be available this week. If you're going into State College for the game, make that side trip to W.R. Hickey. It's not just a great name for beer. It's a great beer. I know. Hint there, T. Frank. That means I already have some and have tried it. <laughs> if and... you overindulge, does it uh, does it induce false starts or delays of game? Uh, I have that problem no matter what, T. Frank. So, <laughs> but the way it is, it's great beer. You may buy it for the name, but you're going to keep buying it for the beer. It's fantastic. I'm just telling you. It's going to be at Jim's tailgate this weekend. So if you see me, you'll probably see me with a whiteout beer. Again, stop at WR Hickey if you're in town for the game. Pick up your whiteout beer from New Trail. All right, T. Frank, we're reviewing the game film. By we reviewing the game film, I mean we're talking about your review of the game film. Right. We had we talked... Um, quite a bit about the offense, quarterback, running back. Now it's time to talk about everybody's favorite whipping boy, the offensive line. Yeah, It's real easy to go the way of, oh, geez, same old offensive line as we've seen before. We changed the running backs. It doesn't matter. They're still getting about three yards a carry. Yeah. Is that a legitimate conclusion? Or did you see signs of improvement? So it is a results-based business, right? So the the result is the result. Um, and ultimately, even though I'm sitting here, you know, tr trying to put up like a, a pseudo defense of the offensive line and their performance, it was the Purdue front seven. They probably should have dominated a little more than they did. And not probably, they should have. You know, the those players that I watched on film, the front seven, the starters were good. And the, the, I would say that the calling card of that group was uh, run defense for Purdue. So th it was not it was not unexpected that they struggled at times with that group, especially on the interior. I, I mentioned Branson Dean, a defensive tackle. He played very well in the game. Uh, uh, Landon Tangwall really struggled with him. And that was something that I was wondering, I was kind of expecting a little bit to happen. But it was worse in those situations than I had anticipated. Um, now from that, from the run perspective, that is the case. And we kind of covered that in the first, in the first quarter of, it was not as bad as it seemed because they were getting better blocks, I think overall. So Olaf Ashanu had some good blocks and, uh, they had some good combo blocks and, and, and some of their power and gap schemes worked pretty well for, uh, for Sal Wormley when he was pulling or when he was in a man-blocking situation. So there were some good things on film and, and things that were different from last year that didn't show up. They didn't have those skills. Overall, though, you, I think it is fair to say it was not enough. Um, it we put all of the, the load on Sean Clifford's shoulders once again, which coming into the game, I said, is a thing you can't do. You can't make this a battle of six-year quarterbacks. And somehow... Despite that, and despite both guys playing poorly, uh, it was still a game that featured 66 points, and uh, and both teams were able to get up and down the field, and uh, Penn State had the better of it. As a pass-blocking unit, they were what we were expecting, especially from Fashanu. He was excellent in pass protection. Um, the rest of the offensive line, Hunter Norzad came in. He was, he was good in pass protection. Juice Scruggs was solid, uh, and then... 
Sal Wormley was a run blocker, but I thought he did very well. I thought he, you know, as a guy who probably is more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, there were a couple of opportunities for him to give up a pressure on some stunts and some twists, and he was able to clean it up. And maybe he, maybe quarter, the quarterback got flushed out of the pocket, but it was not a direct hit. Like, he at least got back in the play to make it not as terrible of a situation. And then Caden Wall struggled in both the run and the pass game. It's really... That's the area I'm most concerned about because if you're an offensive line and everyone is playing average and you have a couple players here and there that are playing above average, you can make that work. But when you've got a guy that is playing poorly, it is a it is a weakest link situation. And if he's the weakest link and he's given up three pressures and two sacks and all of these really bad situations in true passing situations, then that is something that has to be addressed. And I mean, they brought in Bryce Effner in the fourth quarter. So that is, I don't know how to fix that. (laughs) Aside from getting new players at the position, I'm concerned going forward about what the future of that position is for the offensive line. It was obvious they brought Effner in late in the game and James Franklin tried to soften the blow a bit. Oh, we planned on a rotation a bit there. Now, to me, that was Caden Wallace not getting the job done. We're bringing yeah. Efner here at the end of the game when things really count. What would you think of Efner's performance? I just continued to be uh, blown away by his ability to perform above expectations. And that's unfair because he did it last year, too. Uh, coming back from an injury, no less, and being in, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what sort of shape he's in because he looks super skinny. And and as an offensive lineman, being super skinny, I, I there aren't many guys, unless they're 6'8", that can be super skinny and also 300 pounds or be big enough to block everybody. Uh, and just going back to what I said earlier, Purdue did not have a good pass rush. So that's a part of this story, but he came in and made them look like they weren't a good pass rushing unit. He locked down the right side. What happens when you get to teams that have legitimate all Big Ten NFL talent? And that's going to happen. That ha- They have to find a solution because we saw last year when Efner came in against Ohio State, he he had a similar outcome to what uh, what Caden Wallace had. So it, it's it's good for week one. It is a good situation where you have a guy that you can throw in there and he can douse cold water on a situation. He can he can lock it down. But I, I think the concern is going forward. Is he capable of doing that and pulling them out of the fire in, in critical games down the stretch? And, and I have concerns about that. If he could at least do that in 11 out of 12 games or 10 out of 12 games, it might be better than what we were seeing if Caden Wallace struggled against Purdue. Yeah. Uh, T. Frank, while we still have the time, I do want to ask you about um, Mike Yursich, and I guess James Franklin also, their game plan. It seemed early on they were bound and determined to get the running game going, no matter what. Looking back on it, and I remember feeling this way also last year, well, if you can't run the ball, then throw the ball, and then perhaps you could uh, run off of the pass versus passing off of the run. And I think back even to that Wisconsin game where they got nowhere in the first half and then the second half said, you know what, forget the run of the ball between the tackles. We're just going to throw those wide receiver screens as our version of the running game. 
I guess my question is, were they trying to force the run too much? Would they be better off just saying, let's be a pass-first team and then see if we could run the ball as a complement to it? Well, that goes into your game plan coming in, your expectations of what you want to be, and then adjustments, right? In-game adjustments when things aren't going well. And I give them credit for saying, okay, so we wanted to be a balanced team in this game. We wanted to shorten the game, explosive plays, establish our run, give a big middle finger to everyone said that we couldn't do it, and get out of the game the way we want. It didn't work that way. So they pivoted. So I, I give I give them credit for that. But if 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 you if you asked me, does James Franklin interfere in the offense? And everyone asks me that all the time. And I think the people that ask me that secretly think he only calls the bad plays. Like he's up there dialing up only the worst possible plays. That is not what's happening, you know, in my estimation. And when I've asked him and talked about these things, he's giving suggestions, he's giving his input, and I think the game plan coming in. This game plan, if you said, does James Franklin have an impact on the offense, I believe his his edict was, we're going to run the football in this game. And then Mike Yersich goes about doing that. Um, but again, I give him credit for in the middle of the game saying, uh, bleep this, it's not working, we need to get points, because they got exactly zero points in the first quarter when they were run heavy. Um, so that situation, I think that, that is it shows obviously a problem, which we addressed already. But then... Talk about coaching adjustments, in-game management, all that stuff. That's in-game management where they were able to then reel off 21 points in the second quarter and then, you know, whatever adjustments happened at halftime, whatever came out of that where they didn't score in the third quarter, they were able to then again readjust and get points in the fourth quarter to win the game. You'd like to be more consistent. And when you talk about the game plan and you talk about what the passing offense is supposed to look like, there is so much that is going on that is not, it's not being executed. So when I say like the quarterback struggled in the game, if you want to get deep crossers against certain coverages and getting them into zones on the far side of the field and the quarterback is uh, reacting to phantom pressure in the pocket and he's stepping up where he doesn't need to and not standing and delivering and missing a potentially... 40-yard touchdown, those are ghost plays. Those are plays that don't get made. And again, you're watching on TV. It's a results-based thing. So you think there's pressure and it's the, the it was a bad play. It was a good play that wasn't executed. So when we talk about Mike Yersich and a lack of flow and a lack of all these things, there's a reason. And it's not, it's not necessarily just the play calling. When you watch, my take on it, T. Frank, is it felt like they were forcing the run and Purdue was saying, oh, I think they're forcing the run, so we're going to be prepared for that. So when you run it on first down, make two yards at second and eight and say we're going to run no matter what, so second and eight, we're still running the ball. But, but Jim, this is what, this is what people wanted too. That what you just described is establish the run, be committed to it, don't give up on it, and 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 really work on it. So... You know, there. no matter what, if the play doesn't work, there's criticism for it. And, you know, I, it's, I'm not a fan of this game plan. I, I, I was not a fan of what they were doing in the first half. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if the shoe's on the other foot and it works, no one says anything about it. Um, so, like, the game plan coming in is a decision by the coaching staff to... X, Y, or Z. And if it doesn't work, they have to adjust from there. We spent all last year complaining about how this offensive line doesn't work and do they abandon the run too much. And here they are committed to it. And we're like, why are you so committed to the run? So you can't win. Like, you just can't win that, that game. 
Well, I wasn't the one of those. I just feel like first down is the easiest down to throw the ball on. I'd like to see them pick up five, six, seven yards throwing the ball. Then when you've got second and four or second and three, you're leaving the defense guessing whether you're going to run or throw the ball. T. Frank, that's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, we take your questions. We're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions about Penn State football, about recruiting, about the coaching staff, about the reason why they should bench Sean Clifford and fire (laughs) James Franklin. This is where you get to ask those questions. All you need to do is download our app, Keystone Sports, wherever you get your apps. There'll be a nice Ask T. Frank button there. Just give us your name, your email address, and where you're from, and we'll we'll ask your question. Best question, we got something new this week, T. Frank. We get a new trail prize pack. No, it's not Die. beer, but we got uh, yeah. but we got some new new trail swag. Trust me. I've got some of this. I, I test out all these prizes, by the way, T. Frank. My, <laughs> Make sure the quality. My favorite. My favorite is, and I've worn this shirt already. Body by Hazy IPA. Is that not <laughs> you great? Know, 
There is a thriving market of microbrewery t-shirts. You can like it is a huge uh, like fashion industry. So I love it. I think it's. I think you can add to your collection. It's. Uh, it's very unique, and people will be like, "Yo, I like that shirt. Is their beer good?" Yeah. <laughs> Works perfectly. Yep. It, and and by the way, their beer is good. All right. Let's start with David from Lancaster, who says, first, for all the Franklin haters, I just wanted to point out that his clock management was pretty darn good, ending both halves with scoring drives and not even using all of their timeouts. Now, T. Frank, the first few offensive drives felt a bit forced. Do teams use the first few drives to test how certain things work or how the defense responds to try to set up other things later on? Yeah, I think we we covered that with uh, the last segment talking about what I think they wanted to establish, not just as uh, you know a game plan, but kind of a season identity. They wanted to. James Franklin talked about all preseason in the camp of doing things to help the offensive line, not giving up on the run game. I, I don't want to say that he was telegraphing these things, but he was being pretty clear about what his expectations are for the offense of not just running all RPOs, not just uh, running play action or straight dropbacks or. Or if you're frustrated, you're not getting the yards per carry you want early to then go whole hog and go into the passing game. So he talked about these things in in the preseason. And I think that that's what that was a manifestation of. We are going to be committed to this. We are going to do a better job of managing how many reps. and, And then ultimately, when it wasn't working and they wanted to win the football game they had they had to pivot and go back to what they were doing in the third quarter until Sean Clifford's interception they had run the ball five times they ran the ball six times in the first two drives okay let's go to Frank in Warminster Clifford should never start again number one should never see the field as a wide receiver again tight ends can't block a lick Tengwall is not as good as Norzad Defensive ends are a huge disappointment, as is the secondary. Is there a question here? (laughs) No. Is there a question? No. No. Uh, No. Who is this again? They're all just statements. There's no question marks from Frank. Frank is just making statements. I'll throw the question in. Do you agree with Frank? Oh, I'm so if anyone ever disappoints Frank, they're never allowed to play football again. You will have a team of four people. So congratulations, you you forfeit. Uh, so yeah, that's what I have to, that's what I have to say about that. Sure. Keandre Lambert Smith dropped some footballs. Um, and we know that, and that's not okay. Uh, and he also caught a huge touchdown that changed the balance of the game. So unlike last year where it was more bad than good this year, he at least I think netted out a zero of hugely positive play and then the drops. So if he continues to do that and the young players behind him continue to get better, he's not going to see the field as much. And that was the case uh, during the game is he did not see the field as much as the other players. But, you know, right now that's who they're rolling with. I, I, I uh, yeah, I, I've already said more words than I intended to for this question. So let's move on. Well, I'll just make the quick comment. Uh, this Clifford should never start again. Hey, he was co-offensive player of the week in the Big Ten, so <laughs> enough said there. But the other thing is, with receivers with drops, 
these guys don't all of a sudden forget how to catch the ball. I think sometimes they just they play too fast. They they look upfield trying to make a move before they catch yeah. the ball. I think with experience, as I recall, T. Frank, I think there was a pretty good tight end by the name of Mike Gazicki who had tro- problems with drops early in his career also. Yeah. So I think those things can get their cells fixed up. Um, do, you, do you want one more of that, that tone of question, or do you want to move on to something else? You are the show host. If you, if you want Dark T. Frank to show up, then by all means, continue. I love Dark T. Frank, so I'm going to go with that. Let's go with Brad in Percasy, who says, Why? And I say it that way, T. Frank, because why is in all caps with four exclamation marks. So why is Franklin so loyal to Clifford? Aller looked great and ran through his progression Yet Franklin put Clifford back in. Clifford does not work through his progressions and is not accurate. Again, statements, although I guess the why is a question there for you, T. Frank. So, uh, (laughs) I find myself in a place that I don't normally find myself as I was saying that in the third quarter as well is there, there are systematic problems that have continued for Sean Clifford from his first start on the road against Iowa in 2019, or at least the first primetime start against a serious contending team up till now. And that is pocket presence and the ability to manage pressure that isn't dangerous. Where So let me, I'm just going to turn this into something I want to talk about. When you have your guards get pushed up field a little bit, there's two different ways that can go. They can completely lose that block and get pressure in the face of the quarterback, or they can redirect and and push those players wide, right? So they can kind of wash them out of the play. And not all of the time, but a good number of the plays that I was observing, that's what was happening. The guards weren't outright losing. They were giving up ground, but they were keeping their back to the quarterback, right? So that maybe the pocket was a little compressed, but there was still room to operate. There's still room to step up. But the mere presence of that pressure coming backwards was enough to change the, the mechanics of the quarterback. And that is what we're talking about here. We're not talking about when there's a free runner and Sal Wormley just kind of shoves him at the last second so Clifford can run out of the pocket. That's obvious pressure. We're not talking about Caden Wallace losing to the outside and giving up a sack. That's obvious pressure. We're talking about the plays where Clifford throws an incompletion because he's stepping sideways and he doesn't need to. So I am, I'm, I'm halfway there, but I'm not starting a true freshman yet. Like, I haven't been at practice. I don't know what he isn't good at yet. I know what he is good at from what we saw on film of the four passing plays, but there's so much more to learn, and, you know, that is an area where my ignorance starts and the coaching staff has more information, so... Until further notice, like, I don't feel like I can just say time to bench Clifford, you know, in in this situation. So we'll see. I've already conceded I want to see Aller in the first half next week. That's as far as I can go. Let's go to Jeff and Enola, who says, what is harder for a football team to adapt to and be successful at? A new offensive coordinator or a new defensive coordinator? Ooh, that's a great question. It was the question I was going to ask James Franklin last week, and then I, I asked a different one. Uh, because that's that's a that's what I'm wondering is, how comfortable are they now 
after a week one win on the big De- in the Big Ten on the road with their defensive coordinator and his performance in week one and the defense's performance in that new defense versus last year against Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to say offensive coordinator just because the offense is so synchronous that you have to be on the same page. The defense is, is, it's all the same, right? So, like, the best versions of these things look similar. Of The defensive pass rush is in sync with the corners, and the corners are breaking on balls because the ball's coming out quickly because the quarterback is afraid of the pass rush. The run game is, is great because the safeties are filling in the alley, but also because the, uh, you know, the, the front seven is dominant. So all these things work together, but you can make mistakes and still fix it. If you're making mistakes and you're not getting yards... It's, it's a little more zero-sum on the offensive side of the ball. And because the quarterback is the most important position on the field, he needs to be comfortable and confident in order for you to win, and that is with familiarity, which was supposed to be the antidote this year but did not seem to be the antidote uh, until select parts of the game for Sean Clifford last week. All right, let's go to Mark in Lancaster who says, do you ever watch a Penn State game as a fan just to enjoy it and then no. later break it down or watch it always analyzing it right from the start. No, I, I never. So, for, like, I don't watch it. I don't watch anything live and then just because I'm doing a, a live post game show afterwards and I'm trying to provide the best analysis I can in an instantaneous way. So, I have my own system set up where I'm watching replays. I'm. Re- while you're watching commercials, I'm watching the last drive two or three times to go in and see all those things. Let me change the question. I know you're a Buffalo Bills fan. How is yes. it different when you watch the Bills, say, versus watching Penn State play? Oh, because then I'm just a nutcase. I'm just a straight-up crazy fan. Like, I'm jumping up and down and screaming. I am ripping my shirt off when they do well. I'm screaming obscenities when they don't do well. And I'm just yelling Josh Allen a bunch of times when he does <laughs> stupid stuff or when he does great stuff. Um, we have a nickname for him. So I refused in his first two years of, of playing football. I refused to call him Josh Allen because he was such a goofy moose quarterback running around doing weird <laughs> stuff that made no sense that I called him Josh because he looked like he looked like a Rocky and Bowwinkle character out there. And so whenever he does anything like that, I just yell Josh because he's just so lurpy. So, yes, I am full on, you know, paint my face crazy when it comes to the Bills, and that's my outlet for what got me into doing this. So, yes. What what I find fascinating, T. Frank, is you've described Jim watching Penn State football and probably a lot of other fans. However, I do want to point out, watching Penn State games, I keep my shirt on, okay? (laughs) There's no ripping my shirt off, and I have yet to paint my face for a game. Other than that... I'm still trying to predict what's going to happen offensively or defensively watching live. It's just incredibly hard. All right. Thanks very much, T. Frank. Quarter number four, we're going to talk about Penn State's defense against Purdue, and we're going to name a winner. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania. And delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number four. And T. Frank, just a reminder, Penn State home game coming up this week, and that means you need to get ready for your tailgating. And no better way than with GoPSURV.com. By the way, I looked at the weather forecast. It looks like it's going to be nice this weekend. You can tailgate all weekend long at the GoPSURV.com RV camp. You drive your own vehicle to Happy Valley. The RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, Keystone Sports is teaming up with GoPSURV to offer a special deal, special games, including this week against Ohio. You can get $500 off your RV for the weekend. Just call Mark. And tell him you want the KSN RV special. The number over there is 800-519-8467. And I think you might still be able to get an RV for this first game. T. Frank, before we get into your game film review of the defense, we need to name a winner from segment number three. Ask T. Frank, who do you got? Uh, I like Jeff and Enola because he took my question. <laughs> he, he read my mind. <laughs> well, you know what? If someone's going to ask a question that you would have asked, T. Frank, obviously it was a great question, right? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Jeff will be reaching out to you. You've won the uh, New Trail prize pack. We'll be reaching out to you, getting your mailing address and all that good stuff. All right, T. Frank. We talked about the offense enough. Let's go to the other side, Penn State's defense. A couple ways to look at this, but if I'm going to look at this with the glass half full, Aiden O'Connell averaged 70% completion rate last year, 
only completed yeah. 50% of his passes. Against the defense, they, I'm going to use the word, only put up 24 points. Yep. From that standpoint, a pretty good performance, right? Yes. Yes. And I, that's kind of where I landed on this perform this weekend as well for the Nittany Lions. I'm trying to pull up some of the, the advanced stats where they broke up 10 passes, which is exceptional in a game. They were the, the game plan, the way it worked out too, was Penn State, you know, in general was trying to get pressure on the quarterback and they weren't getting home. I think Penn State fans were frustrated by that. Um, but the reality was the reputation of Manny Diaz and the reputation of the Penn State defensive line, uh, scared might be the right word, maybe that's a little bit over the top, but they that dictated to Purdue, get the ball out fast. And Aiden O'Connell threw the ball in 2.29 seconds, according to PFF. So they track every throw, how long it takes from the snap to throw, and on the average, not just the quick game, not just him throwing screens and bubbles, all of his throws, 2.29 seconds. So Pense didn't get pressure, but they got what they wanted, which was a quick passing game, nothing downfield. And by the middle of the game, when they realized Purdue is not going deep at all, the secondary started sitting on routes, jumping things, and that's what they want. That's the whole function of this defense. Get pressure, make the quarterback throw poorly into tight windows that you squeeze because you don't have to guard 30 yards downfield. There's risk-reward to it, and Purdue did not challenge them deep all that much. And when they did, it was on quick decisions by the quarterback, man coverage, obvious single coverage. He, th he catches, he rocks back, he throws the ball and lofts it 25 yards downfield or 20 yards downfield. There were no extended deep plays where corners had to run with players. Now, the underneath game, that was a little hit or miss at times for the Nittany Lions, which was a little more surprising on that end of it from the coverage perspective of some of those players, Daquan Hardy, Johnny Dixon in particular, they struggled at times, but they also battled back and got their hands on footballs. Johnny Dixon and Daquan Hardy coming out of this looking pretty bad for a lot of Penn State fans. I took it as an even performance. Some good, some bad, maybe on the whole a little negative, but they made plays on the football, which is the hardest thing to do as a defensive back. They were put in a tough situation. They were asked to mano a mano, Man coverage, tight press man on an island, and you're never going to be perfect in that area. That's just not going to happen. And again, I'm using the percentage completion rate, which for O'Connell was 70% last year. I believe yeah. you were very highly complimentary of this guy with his accuracy. Yeah. And to come away as a defensive backfield saying, wait a minute. We kept him down to 50%. When Every time there's, say, a pass interference call, I believe some Penn State fans, they're quick to overreact. These guys are awful committing pass interference. I think considering the number of balls in play, I thought they did a pretty darn good job. I thought in particular, I, I was surprised they went, it seemed like they were actually attacking Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. And overall, I thought he played a really good game. Yeah, he, he had 14 targets in the game. The next closest defender had seven, so half the number. 
Uh, and that, Hardy and Dixon both were in that camp. He allowed six receptions for 66 yards. But uh, when it comes to forced incompletions, physically he got his hands on five of them. Uh, but he broke up six passes by running the route for a receiver and getting in the way legally so the receiver couldn't get to the football. So he broke up as many passes as were completed against him. And when you are in almost the double digits, that's unheard of. That is a ridiculous amount of uh, of interception or of of pass breakups, and he had a couple where he caught the ball at the same time as the receiver on a slant, and the receiver caught the ball, and then he had some bad luck of he tried to catch the ball with his face, and uh, and and then it went to the receiver. Like the the bounces of the ball there, that's just bad luck. So that should be an incompletion because. He did a great job on that play. So let's go back to that first play where he nearly had a pick six. He is in a different coverage, covering a different player. He reads the quarterback while keeping his hand on the receiver, having an awareness as a football player to then break off his assignment and go to the football. That's next level football from a corner. That's the stuff we're talking about when it comes to being great at your position. That is a wow sort of thing. You can't discredit that. You can't say, well, I got a pass. You know, I, I saw them get six completions on him. You're a corner that was targeted 14 times. If you don't give up a single reception, that is the greatest game in the history of football from that position. I, I You're going to give some up, especially against a quarterback that isn't bad. Now, I do want to say, Aiden O'Connell's making me look real dumb this week because last week, going into the game, evaluating who he was in 2021 is entirely different than who he was on Thursday night where he did not look comfortable in the pocket. I, I, I lambasted Sean Clifford for his footwork in the pocket. And even though he was not as overt about it as Clifford, he had terrible footwork. O'Connell was not good. And part of that was the scheme. Part of that was Purdue wanted to get the ball out. They didn't want to give Penn State's defense a chance to get to the quarterback. And they may know something about their offensive line that nobody else does. But it made him play scared. And that is not where you want one of the more confident quarterbacks that I've seen in college football. Now, he still threw the ball into every window that he shouldn't have. He still threw all those 50-50 balls. And that's how you get 10 pass breakups. But they don't have David Bell. And uh, he was not good. So that led to a very below average performance for what I was expecting of him. Tell me what you saw from Manny Diaz. Uh, everything. <laughs> Ev everything. I, I made the joke that it looks like bumper cars out there uh, in the defensive uh, front seven. So nothing is static in this defense. And that's something that we knew coming in. A basic, and hopefully this is not too long of an answer, but the most defenses, you line up in a gap, and that's your gap, right? If you're in the front seven. Defensive tackles in the A gap, that's where he's playing. Every once in a while, you might stunt. You might move him from that A gap to this A gap. I saw Adisa Isaac go from the edge of the pocket outside the tackle, the C gap, and stunt into the A-gap. That is jumping two gaps at the snap. Now, my question is, was that intended, or did he overshoot where he was supposed to go? So that is my big question about this week and watching this game against a, a lesser opponent. What is it supposed to look like? Are they still that extreme with their movement? But it's all movement. It's all frenetic you don't know where everyone's supposed to be if you're the offensive line. Nothing's predictable. Everyone's slanting. The linebackers are, are crossing their, their gaps and things like that. But that creates, if you're not buttoned up and everyone's not on the same page, and this is new, this defense is still new to them, then you're going to have some missed assignments, some busted run coverages, and that's what we saw. Now, they still rallied and tackled. 
sort of, when they, you know, at least the third guy got them down. But the run game did not destroy them. It did not allow Purdue to, to win the game. And that is a credit to this defense that they are able to make those mistakes, mental and some physical, and still get out of that game, you know, playing pretty well up front to, you know, where they could win. They could win the game and hold Purdue to 24 points. Real quick, give me some assessments of some of the players up front who were new this year or coming off injury. Mustafer, Akeem Beeman, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac. How did they play? Uh, well, let's start with Mustafer because uh, he was the one I was thinking of. I, he looked good. I, you know, I was concerned that the timetable for him to come back was too soon, but he looked good and he looked strong. I wouldn't say he looked like a dominant force out there, but he was good. He's back to a level of play that is similar to what he had last year. Maybe not as maybe not as good, but you know, a facsimile. Akeem Beeman, I was a little disappointed in. I thought he was a non-factor in the game. Chop Robinson was a real problem. So Chop Robinson was the best pass rusher. I'm excited to see what he can do against a team that doesn't try to play a hot potato with a football, see if they actually hold on to the football. I don't think Ohio's going to do that, but it might happen eventually. And then Disa Isaac, TBD. Uh, I want to see a little bit more. My concerns are still there about does he have enough strength to turn the corner? But he had a couple good bull rushes. He had a, you know, he uses those long arms to lock a guy out and walk him back. But when you're at the apex of your rush and you're going really fast upfield, can you put your foot in the ground and lean through the tackle to shorten that curve to get a sack? That's what Arnold Ebikiti could do better than anyone I've seen recently at Penn State. Isaac, he needs to be some version of that for Penn State to have what they want at defensive end. And I didn't see it quite yet, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. Real quick, I saw this on the replay, the play where Johnny Dixon makes the sack. Uh, It looked like Chop Robinson dropped in coverage, and you have a cornerback blitzing, and this is with the game on the line. Yep, I thought it was a great play call for def- on the defense. Yeah, and it's also, you notice that Manny Diaz did not play prevent defense at the end of that game. He was not dropping eight and being soft in coverage. Now, at the very, very end, they did only rush three, and Chop Robinson got home and, and you got the hit on the quarterback. But, uh, yeah, that's what Manny Diaz does. Those zone pressures, they're going to bite him every once in a while, but if you do confuse the offensive line of the quarterback, that's what they're designed to do. Overload, find a weakness, and get quick pressures, not just have everybody win one-on-ones all the time. And it started to work as the game went on. And I did like that, that he didn't go into a prevent. That is it for our show, T. Frank. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000.